Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning, and Lord, we're thankful today that Christ was born to save. And Lord, that You're still in the soul-saving business. And Lord, that's not the end. That's not the goal. That's just the beginning of a relationship with You that will stretch far into eternity. We ask, Lord, this morning as we are assembled in Your name, that You will be among us and that You will work in each and every heart. Lord, those that are saved, You would draw them closer to You and strengthen them and challenge them for the, the battles of the coming week. And Lord, those that be with us this morning have yet to settle the issue of salvation. First of all, we pray that today would be that day. And if not, that today would be another step closer to making that decision to trust You as their Lord and their Savior. We ask that You'd be with the special music, the preaching, the invitation, the baptism, everything that is done today, Lord. We ask that we would do it in honor and glory to Your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing for the next two songs. And let's turn to Psalm 23, one of the most familiar passages in the Bible. Uh, There are many people who find comfort in this psalm who really don't believe anything it says. But the words are so beautiful and the message so sublime that sometimes we ignore the import of the words. And uh, I want to challenge us this morning that uh, we, we do live in an evil day, do we not? How many of you heard the news reports, uh, I guess, this morning? Another plane was lost over the Indian Ocean. We have strife all over the world. And uh, the worst thing is the politicians tell us it's going to get better. So you know what we believe? It's going to get worse. Uh, And I I come down to to verse 4. And right in the middle of that verse is a phrase that I've taken for the title of this morning's message, I will fear no evil. And really, if we'll look at that and and understand that, is that not... A description, does that phrase not describe the abundant life that Jesus has promised in this book called the Bible? I mean, there are people who have abundance of riches and wealth and they have everything the heart could wish for, but they're so afraid that they lock themselves up in a in a room or a castle or, or something and try and spend all of their life's effort trying to protect and, and keep uh, the things that uh, they have. Uh, that's not living, my friend. Um, the, I'm reminded of a, of a story under communism. One of the prisoners that was held, he laughed at his guards, and he says, I'm in the prison. He said, but your prison is stronger than mine. And they said, 
you silly old man. He said, we got you locked up. We get to go home at night. You have to stay in this cell. He says, how can you say you're more free than we are? He says, I can still laugh at the government. You can't. I, I, I like... I like his thought process there. I mean, it is true to not be afraid really is freedom, is it not? Really is the key to life. And uh, I I don't believe that a Bible-believing Christian ought to study psychology and all of those things. I don't believe the answers are in psychology. I, I believe the answers are in this book. And I don't believe that you can weld the the thoughts of mankind trying to understand man, which is what psychology is, with God's understanding of man, which is what the Bible is. You you cannot mix those two together and come up with anything that is good. And yet, uh, I don't remember the guy's name. Well, maybe it was Adler or something like that. Wrote an entire uh, 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 psychology, uh, basis of psychology, and it was all based on fear. Everything man does, according to this understanding of psychology, is is, has to do with fear. And... uh, I'd like to just recommend throw the book in the trash can. Get Psalm 23. I will fear no evil. And you don't have to worry about a thing. Amen. But how do we get there? As Paul was writing the Philippians, I just want to read the verse to you. Keep Stay here in Psalm 23, Philippians 1.28. He says, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. If you really want to infuriate the world, if you just want to send them screaming for the hills, Don't be afraid of them. Don't be intimidated by them. Remember one time getting a phone call. This is the IRS. You owe us money. That was basically what he, the attitude he had. And I said, I don't think so. He said, you're going to argue with me? I said, yes, I am. You want to speak to my superior? I said, yes, I do. Called me back four weeks later and said, um, yes, we did make a mistake. We, we owe you money. Now, I hope that that continues. Amen. But the simple thing is, you want to drive somebody mad. Don't be afraid of them. But... Uh, We've been through this before. How many of you have seen that little sticker they put on windows and bumpers of cars that says, No fear? Uh, whenever you see one of those, you better understand there's a lot of no other things either. Like no brains, uh, no sense, uh, a lot of things. You know, there are things that you ought to be afraid of. You ought to be afraid of God. 
If we could only be more afraid of God than we are of the world, our lives would be so different. How do we get to this point? This is David. If you were here for Sunday school, we, we covered, Brother Jason covered in Sunday school one of the darkest hours of David's life. Where he came back to Ziklag and found that not only his wife and children and everything he possessed, but all of the men that had followed him had suffered the same loss at the hand of the Amalekites. In fact, they were so upset, they even talked about stoning David. These were David's mighty men. Uh, By the way, David wrote this song. I will fear no evil. I don't believe that he could read the words of this psalm and not think about 1 Samuel chapter 30 in Ziklag. Even though this psalm, we don't know when it was written in David's life, chances are it was after all of these things, but I'll tell you, it had to be one of those monuments, one of those pillars in his life when he talked about fearing evil and evil things happening to him. Uh, He had to think about that story. Now, we, we like to read this psalm like we do a children's storybook. Well, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, that's so sweet. Have you ever thought about what those words really mean? I mean, what I want us to do is, is something a little different uh, uh, this morning. I want to start in verse 4. And we want to, I want to take apart the psalm, and then I want to put it back together again, and hopefully put us in there as well. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, I don't think I've ever been to a funeral, uh, saved, unsaved, uh, 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 worldly heathen that hated God, and, and a beloved saint who spent his whole life serving God, that somebody didn't quote, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, that just is there, uh, ever present. It's part of our culture and our society as Americans. But I want you to understand something. That doesn't apply to every funeral. Uh, there are some funerals that we need to take out one word. Yea, though I walk through the valley, actually a couple words, the valley of death, because there's no shadow there. Because that person is dead, and they're dead forever. We'll never see them on the right side of eternity. There is no hope. You see... In order for death, in order for there to be the valley of the shadow of death, it means that death in itself is not a permanent state. It means that death is not the victor. 
But I want to challenge you today, if you die, if you pass from this world into the next, without the Lord being your shepherd, there is no shadow. It's a dark curtain that closes and will never ever be lifted. Regardless of what you've heard, there is no second chance according to this book called the Bible. You only have the days in which you walk upon this earth to choose whom you will serve. And if you choose to serve yourself or the world or the devil or anyone or anything else, then the Lord Jesus Christ, when those doors of death close, they will never ever be opened again. But I'm here to tell you that the valley of the shadow of death is for them that have a relationship with the Lord of life. Remember what Jesus told the scribes and the Pharisees? He said, you guys are so messed up. I'm, of course, paraphrasing here. He said, God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living for all live unto him. He said, when I'm talking, when God talks about the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, He's not talking about dead people. He's talking about people who've passed through the valley of the shadow of death and will ever live with their Savior and their God. You see, I don't need to be afraid of the valley. Of the shadow of death. Because Jesus has already tasted death for every man. So that you and I could have life. Now look what it says. It says, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Say, yes, I know Jesus is with me. I, I just feel him with me. Is that what David says? Does he say, For thou art with me because I feel thy presence. Is that what it says? You can't find that in the Hebrew. You can't find that in any modern perversion of the Scripture. You can't find that anywhere except in your own mind and in your own heart. Look what it says. It says, Thy rod... <clears throat> And thy staff, they comfort me. You know how I can know his presence is with me? Of course, this is poetry. He's speaking poetically. uh, And he uses a, a double picture here of the same instrument, the shepherd's staff, the shepherd's rod. Uh, what was that for? Let me explain something to you. The shepherd's staff was his most important tool. You know, it's not like today. Say, I know I'm safe because I got my two friends in my pocket, Messrs. Smith and Wesson, talking about pulling a pistol or something like that. Let me tell you something. You want to live by the sword? The Bible says you'll die by the sword. 
If you're depending on them to keep you safe, you're not depending on God. You see, the shepherd's rod was for protection. What did David say when he was talking to King Saul? He said, all I had was my staff and my sling. And he said, with those two things, I took care of a lion and a bear. You know what? They protect the sheep. Uh, Could we say that that rod brought judgment against that lion or that bear? That when David was actually speaking about thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, that maybe we ought to turn over to a few pages uh, in your Bible to Psalm 119, where 176 verses mention different aspects of the work of the laws and the commandments and the statutes of God in the life of the believer. You know how I can know that He is with me? is when my life matches up with what's written in this book. Why is it so quiet this morning? You say, that's not so comforting. Why? Because what I read in this book and what I see in the mirror don't match very often now, do they? But if I want to know He's with me, His judgments and His laws are my comfort. That's His presence. He is the living Word. And you separate yourself from the written Word. You are separating yourself from the living Word. Don't misunderstand. You cannot lose your salvation if you have it. But I'll tell you what, if you want that protection and that knowledge that I will fear no evil, you need to have this book in your life and walking with you. I love the last two verses here. He says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now, the picture here is so incredible. If you had someone who was trying to do you harm, you had an enemy that was outside the door of your home and they were pounding upon that door trying to break it in and gain entrance so that they could do you harm. Would you be ready to sit down and enjoy a beautiful Christmas dinner? No, you'd be on your cell phone. 911, quick, get here, please! And you'd be using the regular phone and you'd be doing everything you can. You'd be so nervous. But what? wait a minute, let's go back. It says, I will fear no evil. In the presence of mine enemies, I'm going to be able to sit down and enjoy the provision of the shepherd. How many of you say, boy, I'd like to be able to live like that. I I, I wish that were true in my life. Oh, that's what the psalmist says 
can be true and should be true in our lives. By the way, read the book of Daniel. Belshazzar tried that. He prepared a feast in the presence of his enemies and mocked the God of the Bible and the God of heaven and earth. And the hand appeared on the wall. And that night was Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, slain. Let me tell you something. The world thinks they can have one big party. I've heard people say, well, hell's one big party. Can't wait till I get there. Uh, let me tell you something. You want peace in your soul on this earth? There's only one place you're going to find it. It's going to be walking with the shepherd. It says, thou anointest my head with oil. You know, we live in a day where everybody has got to be special. Now, you'll have to forgive me, but when I was a kid, and somebody said you were special, it wasn't a good thing. How many of you old enough to remember when the word special meant that there was something wrong with you? Well, you just have to understand, he's special. And today, it's completely turned around. Everybody, oh, Listen, we know that two plus two does not equal three, Johnny, but we love you anyway. You are so special to us and we're trying to affirm your uniqueness as a human being because not many people could figure out that problem that way. And not too many should, amen? We, we live in a world where people are trying to Help people feel better about the worst things in their life. I believe it was Isaiah who said their glory, whose glory is their shame. And if you have any question about that, just pick up the newspaper. We rejoice in evil and we disdain everything that is good. But I'm here to tell you today that I'm special and it's not because I'm retarded. Amen. It's because He has anointed my head with oil. By the way, read your Bible. There's only two groups of people that have their heads anointed with oil. The king and the priest. Uh, By the way, Revelation chapter 1, what does that say? Thou hast made us kings and priests unto our God. I kind of like that. See, there's a lot of wonderful things in this Bible if you'll study them out and follow them all the way through. It says, My cup runneth over. I've got more than I can handle. I've got more than I can hold. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You know what that is? That's hope. That is hope. 
I don't know which preacher started it. I don't know there's any way of finding out, but he made a statement that has been repeated, and I'll repeat it this morning. When you enter the gates of hell, on the back side there's a statement that says, Abandon all hope. Because there is no hope. But I'll tell you what, I have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ today. He is my hope. He's the anchor of my soul. But it doesn't just end in this life. It's not only the days that I walk upon this earth. It says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. What's that last two words there? Read them out loud with me if you would. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That wasn't very good. Let's try that again. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How long is forever, my friend? It is forever. That's how long it is. You say, that's profound. I'll tell you what. We're not looking for some incredible new truth today. We already have everything we need to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. To be able to walk through the valley of death itself and know that it's only a shadow. To fear no evil. To know that Jesus is walking beside me to be comforted by the things that are written in this book, to sit down and enjoy the bounties of His goodness in the very presence of mine enemies. To know that it is not by my accomplishments or by some whim or fancy of chance, But it's a relationship with the living God that He anointed my head with oil. The blessings He gives cannot be purchased with all the gold in this world. And I have hope for today and hope for all eternity. That sounds like a life more abundantly to me. How about to you? And yet, if I were to ask us, each one of us here, did we live this past week like that? Did we fear no evil? Or did we worry about things? Did we allow the enemy to get us all full of agita so that we could not even enjoy the bounties of His blessings upon us? Did we start looking at ourselves instead of to the Savior? Did we forsake the hope of today? And some have even despaired of the hope of eternity. Let's go back to verse 1. You see, there's an order, there's an ascension, there's a progression in this song. It starts off with, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, you read John chapter 10, my friend, this afternoon, if you have some time. Jesus said that not all the sheep in this world belong to Him. 
He said, the sheep that know Him know His voice and they follow Him. There's a relationship there. They tell us that the Oriental Shepherd would actually go to the sheepfold in the uh, in the darkness of the early morning and by putting his hands upon the face of the sheep would be able to identify the very sheep. Now, I'll tell you what, that doesn't make any sense to me. Because every sheep I've ever seen, they all look the same. I mean, some of them got horns and some of them don't. Uh, but, I mean, they just... They just look the same, but for a shepherd to know those differences would mean he has to be intimately acquainted with his sheep. For the sheep to hear his voice. It's so much fun to watch people that live in this city. They'll get this funny little thing called a dog. And if you have one of them little dogs, forgive me, but I just don't like anything done halfway. I like big dogs. That's why I don't have one. Uh, but, and they'll, they'll start trying to train that dog. They, they want it to follow them only by voice commands. Has anybody ever seen this on the sidewalk? I mean, isn't that hilarious? Now come, and the dog stays there. And they'll walk over and they'll pick up the dog and they'll bring it over and they'll set it down in front. I said, come. And I'm sitting there going, what a waste of time. You know how long it takes for a dog to learn its master's voice? Long time. You know how long it takes for a sheep to learn the shepherd's voice, it takes some time. You know, I just don't want to spend that much time with the dog. Got too many kids, amen? I am so glad that the shepherd wants to spend time with this sheep with each one of us here individually. He doesn't just put us all in a group and say, everybody do what I say. He knows the number of hairs upon your head. He knows the length of your days. And He knows every step that you will take as you walk upon this earth. But there's got to be a relationship there in order for Him to be your shepherd. We're not all the children of God. We weren't born the children of God. We're no longer born in His image. There has got to be a changing event. In fact, it's so dramatic and so catastrophic that Jesus, as He was explaining it to Nicodemus, a religious man, a leader of the Jews, He said, ye must be born again. There's nothing in the old life that is worth keeping I am not reforming you. I am starting all over brand new. That's how he becomes your shepherd. Now, what's that next phrase there? You know, I think we have more problems with this one than we do with any other phrase in this psalm. And if you don't get this one, nothing else matters. It's not going to happen. 
You will never get to I will fear no evil until you get to I shall not want. You know what that word means? It means there is no lack. There is nothing missing. But if we can be light for just a moment, how many of you could think of something that you wish somebody had gotten for you at Christmas? Hmm? How many of us have a want list? How many of us would go to God and say, God, but you didn't supply this need. When I say I shall not want, when David said I shall not want, he says, I will be satisfied with the direction and the provision of the shepherd no matter what. Boy, it's quiet. But those, that's what these words mean. It's a decision that has to be made in the heart. Just like salvation. Why do you think the Apostle Paul said, I die daily? Because dead people don't want things. said, the life which I now live, I live by the faith of Christ, of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, if I'm telling God what he needs to do to make me happy, I'll never be happy with what he is doing. See, what's the next verses there? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Peter said, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. How much effort do we spend trying to take care of ourselves when Jesus has already expended all the effort necessary? That's that's what it means. Amen. What do sheep need? They need grass. They need water. Well, they need protection. We'll get that down in verse 4. But, I mean, in order to live, uh, sheep are very simple creatures. They don't need much. They just need good grass and clean water. By the way, they tell us, those that take care of sheep, the sheep will not drink from a fast-flowing brook. The, the movement of the water unnerves them. It, it's got to be still. And if you know anything about still water, still water is usually brackish water, polluted water. Uh, it's full of scum and all the bacteria and things to find good, clean, still water. That takes some effort. 
But that's what the shepherd provides because that's what the sheep need. Oh, we could, I could go on all morning, but we've got to keep moving here. This next one, you see, if we do not allow him to make us lie down in the pastures he picks, if we do not follow him beside the still waters, we don't get to verse 3, he restoreth my soul. You know what the word restore means? It means to put back that which is missing. They take old buildings and they restore them. They try to uh, get rid of the decay and the rot and all of the things that have broken down and worn out and make it look like it did when it was first built. That's, that's restoring. Let me tell you something. There's an awful lot of restoring that needs to be done in the lives of those that were born in the image of Adam instead of the image of God. Amen? And God, the shepherd, wants to put back that which we've lost by sin. You know, we could take anybody in this room we could talk about things that were lost in their lives because of sin. Relationships, years, purity, love, all the best things in our lives, all the greatest things that God has taken, given to us, the devil wants to take from us. And sin brings about the loss and the death of those very things. It says, He restoreth not my body, my soul. They tell me that you're only as old as you feel. Well, I'll tell you what, if you allow Him to restore the soul, maybe you'd feel a lot younger. How I many say amen to that? He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for, what's that next pro, uh, pronoun in there? His. Who owns those paths? Whose, what purpose are we led in those paths for? It's for His name's sake. You see, if I have made the choice to be one of His sheep, I've gotten saved. You see, you've got to start somewhere, amen? You've got to start by getting saved. How do you get saved? You get saved by giving up everything you are and can be and have done, both good and bad, and coming to Jesus at the foot of the cross and simply saying, I believe that what you did on the cross pays for all of my sin and that I don't have to do anything good to earn your love. I trust you as my Lord and my Savior. You know, that word Lord means master. It means owner. It means the one in charge. 
You cannot sign the title deed over of your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Partially. He won't accept it. He wants it all. Does that mean you're going to live a perfect life? How many times do we got to go over this? I wish it did, but it doesn't. You see, there's a choice that has to be made after you're saved. That choice is, I shall not want. I'll be satisfied with Him. David said, when I awake, I'll be satisfied with Thy presence. We're getting ahead of ourselves. How do I know I have His presence? Because I have His Word. You know what? If He's my shepherd and I have chosen that I'm going to be satisfied with Jesus, it says, He maketh me. I don't know about you, but I'm an American. I don't like to be made to do anything. When I go out to a restaurant, I am insulted when they figure out the tip and take it out of the bill for me. That bothers me. Because if you gave good service, I'm going to give you a better tip than you're going to figure. But if you go ahead and take it, that's all you get. That's just me. I hate to be rude like that, but I think it's rude when you take money for a tip after you've taken all the money for the food. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't like to be made to do anything, but I'll tell you today, I want to be made to lie down in those green pastures because I need it, because I'll wear myself out and destroy myself trying to do good things for Jesus because I'm trying to be the shepherd instead of the sheep. And as long as I'm trying to do that, I'm never going to get to I will fear no evil. He leadeth me beside the still waters. You know why? Can I be blunt this morning? Because you and I aren't smart enough to figure out where they are. We're sheep. We can't read the map. We can't read a compass. We can't follow directions. We have no idea what is going to happen ten minutes from now. And yet we sit down and plan for the next twenty years. That's not being led beside the still waters, my friend. That's not lying down in the green pastures. You see, it's until I... Lie down in those green pastures and allow Him to lead. You see, I gotta start with getting saved. I gotta stop wanting things and start relying on Jesus. I gotta stop working to try to get things done and start resting in the finished work of the Lord and Savior and the Good Shepherd of my soul. I've got to stop trying to build up the outside so people will think better of me and let Him restore me from the inside. 
in one of the most misappropriated verses of all the Bible. How many times I've heard people, God judges the heart. You can't see what's in my heart. No, I can't, but I can see what it produces, and it ain't no good. You see, you can lie and cover up a wicked heart to a certain extent. But if you've got a good heart, you can't cover it up. It's got to come out. And that's what it means by, He restoreth my soul. And until my soul is restored, I cannot walk in those paths of righteousness for His name's sake because I'm still too worried about my stupid self. But once I get there, guess what? I don't have to be afraid of the valley of death because it's only a shadow. I got to walk through that shadow as my fathers have, as every living human being has had to walk through that shadow. Only Jesus walked through death and came back. And now that He's my shepherd, it's just a shadow. Oh, I love that. Because I know He's with me. Why? Because this book said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. What does it say? Say it with me. Thou shalt be saved. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. But it's his rod and his staff. You know what? They comfort me. You ever been on a mountain road with no guardrails? I remember one time we were, some of the kids are already laughing. They know this story. We were driving out of Death Valley. And somebody had told us about this road to take and said, it'll keep you off the mountains. And I said, wow, that sounds great. Because otherwise we'd have had to drive over the tallest mountain in California in the dark. And I really didn't want to do that. And so we went 40 miles down this road that was so straight I could have put a bungee cord on the steering wheel and went to sleep. And then all of a sudden things changed. We started going up. And we started switching back. And then came around a curve. And there was nothing. I mean, nothing, nothing. Um, I I have to be honest because my kids were there. I was fearing evil at that moment. I I was fearing everything. Shut up! Put on Handel's Messiah! Put something decent on to listen to! I'll tell you what. I was praying for a guardrail, but nobody put one up. We need those guardrails. They they comfort us. We need somebody to tell us the difference between right and wrong. 
Sometimes I wonder if I just need to get out the list and stand up here and say, okay, church, you got cigarettes at home? They're sinful. How many people don't know that? You know what? And it's not the smoking that's the problem. It's what they do to the reputation of Jesus Christ. That's the problem. You got alcohol in your refrigerator? Let me tell you something. There's a problem with that. There just is. You don't need that garbage. There, there is nothing out there it's going to help you do except encourage other people to sin. I remember somebody brought a cake to one of our fellowships a long, long time ago. And uh, one of the fellows in the church came up to me and said, Pastor, he said, this is a rum cake. I said, you got to be kidding me. He says, no. I said, give me that thing. He says, what are you going to do with it? I said, I'm going to throw it out. He's going, no. He had a real problem with that. And it was awakening desires in him that were absolutely evil and destructive. Now, that ought not happen at church. This ought to be a place where you can come and be protected. That's, that's why we talk about standards. That's why we talk about separation from the world. You know, it doesn't have to be pornographic to be dirty. Do I need to explain that? Don't think so. But thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He tells us what is right and what is wrong. If I don't want to fear evil, i got to stay close to Him. You know, it's always a sad note. I just thank the Lord we were able to get almost all of our family together for Christmas this year and just sitting around the table and watching people joke and listening to 14 different conversations go on at the same time at varying levels of volume. And I mean, it just keeps getting louder and louder and finally, oh, let's turn down the volume just a little bit. And then it goes right back up and love it. Absolutely love it. But my heart is just breaking inside for people that can't enjoy that. But don't allow other people's heartbreaks to stop you from enjoying the blessings that you have today. You say, well, I'll never have those kind of blessings. Let me tell you something. You can have God's blessings in your life. He is the one that restores the years that were taken away. Read the prophet Joel. You see, He's anointed my head with oil. I have a calling. I have a place. I have a position. I have things that He expects me to do. 
I have a hope in this life and a hope for all eternity. But He's got to be your shepherd. You've got to stop wanting. He'll take care of making you lie down in green pastures if you'll stop wanting. He'll lead you beside those still waters and once you get there, He'll restore your soul. If you are His child, you will find yourself walking in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Because He wants you not to be afraid of the world, of evil, of the devil, of the politicians, of the anarchist, of all the people that you can be afraid of. The Bible says that lack of fear is a token of their, in their minds of your perdition. Well, that means that they have no hope. Why do you think the people of Jesus have been persecuted? Because there's no hope of you joining them once you've joined him. So there's only one alternative left. They got to kill you. That's happened. But if you're not afraid of death, how many remember the story of the old preacher? He's walking down the city street late at night. I have no idea where. And some guy ducks out of an alley and puts a gun in his belly, which, if I remember right, was rather large. He said, give me your money or I'm going to kill you. And the preacher, who was, he's a big man, looks down at him and says, don't threaten me with heaven, young man. Scared the living daylights out of that guy. If I remember the story completely, the guy drops his gun and lets him tell him about Jesus. It's, the way God's children ought to behave in this world. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Read it with me if you would. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord, we know your desire and your willingness and your power and your ability to help us to live the words of this wonderful psalm. Lord, we just ask 
for those that are here today and you are not their shepherd, that today they would surrender and ask you to become their shepherd. Lord, we pray for those that are wanting that they would surrender their wants because the shepherd always provides. Lord, we pray for those that are in fear that they would just go back through this short little list and that they would find themselves at whatever place they have broken the chain of your commands, the directions that you give, the, the provision that you are providing. And they would find that place and they'd start over right there and work their way back through. Lord, we pray that you would help us to live without fear. To know that death is only a shadow. To know that you are with us. That the enemy is powerless in your presence. That we are your beloved. And we have hope in this life and in the life to come. Lord, we ask that during this time of invitation. That we would worship you by giving that which belongs to you. The unsaved, it would be their soul. Lord, for the saved, it could be a multitude of things that are hindering our obedience to your word. And we just ask that you just take care of these things. That we may worship you in spirit and in truth. That we may bring glory to your name. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.